for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to uh, kick off this series that we called 2020 Vision. Uh, <laughs> I've been to Specsaver, so <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> Uh, and you may think, well, we're not in 2020 yet, but we wanted to get in there before all the Christmas celebrations, before the New Year celebrations. Normally churches have a, a Sunday in January, and they say this is Vision Sunday and so forth. But I think it's bigger than that. I think 2020 is a, not just the start of a new year, it's the start of a new decade. And uh, we're into the next 10 years. And I think it's vitally important that we as Christians are actually doing and achieving something so that one day we can go up before our Lord and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into all that I've got for you, all that you've stored up in heaven, all the treasure that you've sent ahead, just like the ultimate pension fund, you know. We all talk about pension funds. You need to have pension funds. You need to put money in your pension. How much percentage are you putting in your pension fund? Well, this is the ultimate pension fund. And I'm your professional uh, broker (laughs) telling you how you can get some money and get some reward and get some resources, and God will present that to you. And so that's why we're doing it these next few, probably six weeks. And by the time we get to the end of the six weeks, your vision will be perfect. There'll be no need to go to Specsavers. You'll have 2020 vision. Okay? Yeah? Good. <laughs> but uh, where can we start uh, is only because this is the, the chapter. It's not just a verse, it's a chapter for the church. Susan had a vision a number of years ago, and during this next few weeks, she'll share uh, what that's about and how she got it in the first place. But Isaiah chapter 61 is a crucial chapter in the life and for the life of the Freedom Center. So I'm going to read the whole thing to you and then some extra verses from Matthew. Uh, this is how it goes. You'll know it, but I'll say it anyway. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Say me. Me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for their ashes, the oil of joy for their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs." For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. 
and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. Just a wonderful chapter. And then some verses from Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of 2020, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the age. And so these are wonderful verses, and I just want to dig into them a little bit this morning and kick off our series. You're going to be hearing from different people as we go through the series, different people giving testimony about their their jobs and what they try and achieve in the church, people coming from outside, people from within, all sorts of things happening. But just a number of things from these verses that I just wanted to bring to us this morning as we kick off this 2020 vision. Just noticed in Matthew, all authority, all nations, all things. That's a bit like everything, isn't it? All. All means all. To everyone, not just Someone, and that's what I've entitled this morning, Everyone, Not Just Someone. Everyone, Not Just Someone. I was reminded of that story, you probably have heard it, but I'll read it anyway. The story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. You know that story? There was an important job to be done, and everyone was asked to do it. Everyone was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it. But nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everyone's job, everybody's job. Everybody thought anyone could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. (laughs) Some of you are looking puzzled. (laughs) And we laugh, but we know it's true. It's true in the church, it's true at home, isn't it? You see these jobs around at work, uh, in the office, wherever. Uh, you know that story is true. And that's why I call this morning everyone, not just someone. And that's why, as I said, we've got some people sharing over the next uh, few weeks about their roles and their need for people to help them in the ministries that they're trying to accomplish. All authority is a huge statement. The authority given to Jesus by God Almighty, his Father, 
is something that he wants to pass on to us as we outwork his vision. And that's why he uses us to send us to make disciples all over Lancashire, all over Preston, all over the UK, all over the world. Everywhere means everywhere. Teaching them all things. All the things, Jesus says, that I have commanded you. That's interesting. Because often we make the commandments in the Old Testament vitally important, and they are. But Jesus says, teach them the things that I've commanded you. So I was looking up just some of the things that Jesus commanded his disciples. And uh, we haven't time to go to every scripture. But here's some of them. John 13, love one another. And uh, it was interesting that uh, Will and Abby, Abby and Will, Will and Abby, um, we were talking about how we, the people who come along to the groups, just feel included. They feel loved. And that's important. Because often Christians are great at loving one another, and they'll hug everyone around, and they'll give to one another. But people out there, well, oh, you don't know about them. I'm unsure about them. They're difficult to get on with. They're doing things that I don't really agree with. So perhaps I'll just withhold my love from them. But Jesus says, love one another. Love your enemies, Matthew 5. Jesus commanded us to repent. We're good at telling people to repent. John 14, he teaches us and commanded us to believe me, he said. Matthew 16, he says, take up your cross. Don't like that one. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Luke 21, pray always. Matthew 5, let your light shine by good deeds. And there's many, many more of Jesus' commands. And he says, when you go out and you're sharing about me, teach them these things that I have commanded you. Why am I asking you to do it? Because you're all anointed. One John 2 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. One John 2 says, as for you, in verse 27, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You are anointed to work. <laughs> we all hate that word, work. But you're anointed to work. It doesn't just remain in you, this anointing. Anointing is meant to flow. It's meant to go out. There's no such thing as an anointing just for you. Your anointing is to bless other people. There's only Jesus who had all the anointing. But he calls us to use the anointing that by grace he has given us. We're all anointed to some degree or another. And Jesus spoke out Isaiah 61 in the temple and he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. He has sent me to use my anointing to heal the brokenhearted. And immediately when Jesus said, Look, check out these holes in my hands, he said to them, As the Father has sent me, someone, I also send you to everyone. As the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And that's why I called this everyone, not just someone. I noticed, maybe for the first time, in Isaiah chapter 61, as I was reading it this week, just how he talks about me 
And then he talks about, and they. And then he talks about strangers. And then he talks about you. And then he talks about the Lord. We're all in there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities. And then strangers. Well, strangers are going to feed your flocks. And their sons shall plow and prune. And you shall be named priests. You shall have double honor. So the vision of the Freedom Center is not just for the people in here. The vision of the Freedom Center is for they. And it's for strangers. And it's for all. This church isn't just a, like a teaching center. Or it's a, not just a worship center. It's actually maybe not even a sending center. It's an enabling center. And our job as leaders is to enable you to get out of you the anointing and the gifting that God has placed in you. So the Father has sent us, first of all us in the beginning, but we also in turn have to send you. Where do I send you? (laughs) We're going to look at that, and Tom will look at that in week three. You see, I love the modern church, and I I love it, but some of its downfalls are often it just becomes a receiving center. So we come to get. We come to receive. We come, it can become a blessing center. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. And we consume and we soak in everything that God can do for us. And we can come through just if we're only that. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But if we're only that, we become self-centered. Like a child, when you bring up a child, you teach a child, it's not just about us. It's not just about you. And when a child matures, you begin to see them think about other people. So we're called the Freedom Center because we are called to set captives free. If we're not seeing captives set free, we're not doing our vision. But in order to see the captives set free, we need to be free ourselves. And if we are in bondage or if we are only thinking about ourselves, then we can't go out there and, and set anyone free because we are preconsumed about what I want and what I need. So we need to be free from the cares that the world have. See, there's no point going out into the world and saying, you don't need to worry about this, you don't need to worry about that, and then we're worrying about it ourselves. We need to be free from what the, the world calls success, from the, what they care about. The things that they care about, we really shouldn't be caring about. But we get sucked in, don't we? Slowly, but surely, into the things that are cares of the world. And yet, as a Christian, we shouldn't be caring really about them. We need to be in order. Our, our finances, our houses, our marriage, our church need to be in order But really, we shouldn't have the care that the world has because we are of a different kingdom. But often our churches become like supermarkets. So we ask things like, what's in it for me? What do I think? What can I get? Am I satisfied? uh, Am I fulfilled? Has this church, has this youth group, has this children's work, has this even baby talks or whatever, measured up to my aspirations? my needs, my aims. But I don't really see Jesus saying that. The need is our call. And we are commanded to go towards the need. 
And when Jesus anointed you and he gave you the authority, he commanded you to go. He knew about your restrictions. He knew about your issues. He knew about your commitments. He knew about your job. He knew about your husband. He knew about your wife. And he knew about your kids. And he knew about your weaknesses. Yet he still says go. It really is irresponsible of him. So thoughtless. Same way as he called the fishermen to leave the nets and come and follow me. But they had a business to run. No, just come. Tax collector, you leave your books and come. Rich man, you leave your riches and come and follow me. Even Judas, who by nature was a thief, come, follow me. Everyone, not just someone. So when you choose a church, you should choose it because of what they do and not just of what they say. You should choose it because of where they go, not just because of where they stay, what building they have. You should choose it because of what they, not just because of what they believe, but what you will receive. So we are a vision, a church, a family, and we, as best as our ability, is to outwork Isaiah chapter 61. Because Isaiah chapter 61 represents the good news, good news of redemption. We are redeemed. We have been bought back so that we can have another R, restoration. The good news of not just redemption, but the good news of restoration. Brought back to our rightful place in our rightful condition. Good news of righteousness. We have been justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Amazing. So I'm looking out at justified people, just as if you'd never, ever sinned, never justified. That's good news. Good news of recruitment. You have been recruited. You are wanted in the army of God. You have a part to play. And often people worry about the leadership. I want to be on the vision team. You Actually, you want to be on the Jesus team. Forget the vision team. You need to be on the Jesus team. Because people struggle with these four areas, out there and sometimes in here. But we have been made redeemed. We have been redeemed. We have been restored. We are righteous. And we, fourth are, have been recruited, whether you want it or not. You're part of the team. And it's our job as leaders to help you recognize that you are redeemed, you are restored, you have been righteous, and you are recruited, and you are on a team. So welcome aboard the team. Church isn't for lone rangers, even if you've got a tonto. They're for the redeemed and the righteous, and believers working together. So this vision of Isaiah 61 and the Freedom Center is for every one of us. And the burden should be everyone's then, and not just a few carrying a heavy load. And I was listening to someone talk about the Grenfell Tower disaster, and he was talking about the firemen and what role they played in everything else. And the thing that I noticed was that when everybody was running away, away from the problem, the firemen were running to the problem. And I thought, that's us as Christians. We should be running to problems, but so often we run away from problems. 
oh, I've heard about such and such. They're in great need. Oh, I'll bless them. Pray for them, yeah. Uh, or they're having difficulties. Or they need a babysitter. Or they need this. Or they need that. Oh, yeah, they'll be fine. Everybody, somebody, nobody, does it? We should be running towards problems in 2020 rather than running away. And I have a sense of that God's ringing a bell to all of us, and he's saying, wake up. 2020. 2020. <laughs> Think about that. Remember the year 2000? And you had that party? And you celebrated? Remember? That was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. I was better looking <laughs> 20 years ago. And so were you. Oh, trust me, you were. <laughs> and God's ringing the bell. And he's saying, don't run away from the need. Run to the need. Like the fireman's bell. They ring it. Get out of the way. I'm coming towards the need. And that should be us as Freedom Center partners, as Freedom Center Christians. We run towards the need. We're not called to be normal. We're called to be abnormal. We really are. You're anointed for a purpose. You're not anointed to get shivers up your back. You're anointed to be useful in the kingdom. You're gifted. And you're gifted to give presents. That's what you do with gifts. You present them. Don't you? Some of you. Yeah? You present them. Your gift is a present to this church. Your gift is a present to the world. When are you going to present your gift? Selah. And many of us are seeking to give what God has given us to give away. Oh, no, I want that. I want that. I don't want to do that. That's embarrassing. Oh, no, that's tiring. Oh, no, I can't do that. But what God has give, given you <coughs> excuse me, is a seed. Whether it's your gift, whether it's your talent, whether it's your money, whether it's your love, whether it's your service or your work or your actions, that's your seed. And you need to sow it. Whether people see it or not, really, you know, there's seeds in your garden that no one sees right now. You don't say, oh, I'm not planting that seed because nobody's going to see it. <laughs> no, you need to plant your seed, whether people see it or not. And it's in the giving, it's in the serving, it's in the working that we are healed and we are restored and we are forgiven. So let me give you five quick reasons before we finish why people don't serve. Not the only reasons by any manner of means, but these are five quick ones that came to me. Number one, anger. They're angry with God. Angry with God for certain things happening in their life. That their dreams became a nightmare. And we've got angry. Don't show it, of course. It's underneath. But our anger, and through our anger comes out an unwillingness to serve God. Number two, self-pity. We feel sorry for ourselves. Self-pity comes from self-love. Self-pity comes from self-righteousness because we feel we don't deserve what happened to us. And we begin to nurse our wounds instead of going across the road and nursing someone else's wounds. If we would nurse someone else's wounds, the healing would come to our wounds. That's the second reason I wrote down. Third reason I wrote down was jealousy. We see other people being blessed, and the green-eyed monster 
builds up within us, and we say, why not me, God? Why them? Why always them? I, I deserve it. They don't deserve it. And so the green-eyed monster rises up, and our jealousy stops us from serving God. And so we down our tools, and we can't get past that big rock called jealousy. Fourth one I wrote down was laziness, slothfulness. I'll do it when I feel like it. Well, we've all got, we've had or have teenagers like that. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Well, Christians don't say they don't feel like it. What they say is, the Lord hasn't called me yet. I feel, I just feel, I just feel I'm not right for that. And God's saying, and, and so, and often, not always, it boils down to laziness. And we say, life is hard. And I heard somebody say this week something, I'll never forget this now, I've heard it, and hopefully you won't forget it either. He said, when people say to me, life is hard, he says, I always say, compared to what? Compared to what? Really? Compared to your grandmother? The way she brought up kids? Compared to a Christian in Syria or Iran? Life hard? Nah. Compared to, to, compared to what? When we say life is hard, and often it is hard, but to get a bit of relevance, to be sensible about it, compared to what? You know, when we get to heaven and you're standing next to somebody from Afghanistan who is trying to live out their faith, or Iran, or whatever, and, you, and we all think, well, the Americans will have that problem, but we in this country, we'll have that problem too. And you say to the, your, your fellow believer, your brother, your sister from Iran, and you say, life was hard in the UK. <laughs> I don't think you'd actually say it. Because once you'd heard her test me, you'd like, shut up, say nothing. I got off okay. But it's true, isn't it? Life is hard. But compared to what? Fifthly, I got off that one. Fifthly, I don't want to just serve. I want to lead. I don't want to just serve. If I'm going to serve, I'm going to have to be the leader. It's my way or the highway. And so often, as Christians, sometimes we've got control issues. There's nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I feel led to do. You understand? That's another reason people don't serve. And God wants to say to all of us this morning, everyone, not just someone. This isn't a message for me or Susan. I'm not preaching at Susan. I'm not preaching at anyone else here. It's a message for everyone. Because Jesus would say, I left the 99 to go and get the one. But something that spoke to me when I was looking at that, he said to me, but Jack, I would have left the one to go and get the 99. You understand? It works either way. He would leave to go. Everyone, not just someone. And God wants to bring some people back into the team. It's not important, as I said, whether you're on the vision team. The important thing is, are you on the Jesus team? Working out the vision. Because we need you. I don't know whether other churches need you, but we need you. Right now. Right here. Right now. God needs you. The future convert out there needs you. 
The people who come through our food bank or come through our drop-in need you. The broken-hearted need you. The poor need you. The captives need you. Those who are mourning need you. The strangers need you. I was speaking to um, a girl and, uh, from India this morning, and she was saying through our WhatsApp group with Sue and I, have a, have a blessed Sunday and have a great Sunday. And... Um, and I can't remember, I showed her the picture of my Bible that we were looking at Isaiah chapter 61. And she said, uh, that looks fantastic. And I said, someday you may come here and help us outwork this vision. She says, I pray I can. So she's in India wanting to come. You're in the UK. Do you want to come on this journey? Do you want to serve? Do you want to be doing what God wants all of us to do? We all need to come with our sacrificial offering and submit our gifting and sacrifice my pride. And by doing all of that, we store up treasure in heaven. Matthew twenty-eight seventeen says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> they hadn't got their 2020 vision yet. They some doubted. But still, he spoke to them all. All authority has been given to me and on earth. Go. You may be doubting about your gift. You may be doubting about whether you can do it. You may be doubting about this or that or the next thing. And God says, I don't care about your doubts. Go. We'll sort your doubts out later. You understand? You think, oh, no, I couldn't. I shouldn't. I wouldn't. But God said, no, just go. Just go. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Go to the worshippers. Go to the believers. Go to the doubters. Whoever you are, just go. Often we're God-seekers, but we're not God-goers. Often we look for heroes of the faith instead of becoming that hero ourselves. Do you know that myself included, we look to heroes Heroes of the faith in Hebrews, heroes of the faith nowadays. Have you listened to this podcast? Have you read that book? Have you seen this message? Because we're looking to heroes. But if we're always looking to heroes, when's the hero going to emerge in us? Really, just a question. Let's become the hero that we so admire. You admire that person because you would like to be that person. Well, little hint. Become that person. Sacrifice what that hero sacrificed, and you may well become just like them. Put in the seed in the soil that they put the seed in the soil, and you may become like them. You're not going to catch it just through a message or a book, great as though are, as though they are. You're going to if you want their anointing, do what they did. And God says, just go. My love is for everyone, not just someone. My anointing is for everyone, not just someone. My authority is for everyone, not just someone. My grace is for everyone. My forgiveness is for everyone. My freedom is for everyone, not just someone. So let's be a church that goes, and not a church that passes by on the other side. You you get that, don't you, in life? There's opportunities to witness opportunities to give, opportunities to serve, opportunities to do whatever God has just slightly put in your mind, but often I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I can't do it, and we pass by on the other side. Nobody knows. 
Nobody saw your journey. Nobody knew somebody was sitting there. You just walked past. God says, don't be a church that goes by on the other side, cross the road. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace and for calling us. We get to be part of the team. Lord, it's wonderful to be part of your team. That you give us an assignment. You give us the resources. You give us the gifting. You give us the presence to hand out. You do it all for us. And you just want us to be the messenger. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. The privilege of not just coming to church and being church, but the privilege of going. Lord, I pray in the next few weeks that you will correct our vision. Might just be a slight adjustment, but we'll begin to see things more clearly. We'll begin to see long range and short range. The signs that you show us will be coming into view because you'll have corrected our vision, Father. So, Lord, bless us. Be with us and keep us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.